Good morning and welcome. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you send your spirit now on me and on every listening person, that what is spoken and what is heard might be carried by you and show us the face of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name I ask it. Amen. So today is Pentecost, the 50th day after Easter and the most important day of your life. I don't know if you knew that, but it's true. Pentecost is the most important day of your life, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. To give you a sense of why I would say such an audacious, an audacious thing, I want you to imagine that after you finish church, you decide to go for a walk, and as you step out of your front door, you discover it's raining money. There's a flurry of bills falling from the sky, purple, green, blue, brown, and you're so freaked out that you turned right back around and went into your house to go on the internet and find out what's going on. And, and as it happens, it turns out there are reports from every country on earth that the local currency is falling from the sky. And this actually keeps on going. Money is part of the weather now. And you're so fascinated by this brand new phenomenon that you dedicate yourself to its study. You, you chase the devastating toonie tornadoes across the Great Plains and you, you analyze the gentle green flurries of 20s that greet the Ontario spring. And over time, you become an expert in monetary precipitation. You, in fact, become the founding dean of Ryerson's groundbreaking school of numismatic meteorology. You write papers, you speak at conferences, you win the Nobel Prize for science. Pretend that's a thing for the sake of this story. And, and many years later, when you finally die, your obituary in the Globe and Mail recognizes you as the world's leading authority on this phenomenon. But here's the sad note, this is a sad story. Your obituary also notes that your professional success never translated into financial security and that, that actually you died impoverished without a penny to your name. Because in all your years, learning everything there was to know about treasure falling from heaven, it had never occurred to you simply to reach out your hands and lay hold of some of it for yourself. Pentecost is the day when you look at the treasure that's falling from heaven and reach out your hands to receive it. And that's why Pentecost is the most important day of your life. Not the most important day period. That's got to go to Easter, right? Jesus raised from the dead, defeating death. That's the most important day in the history of the universe. But Pentecost is the most important day in your life because Pentecost is the day when what's true about the world, God's saving work in Jesus Christ, becomes true for you. A reading from Acts describes the scene on that first Pentecost. Fifty days after the Passover, it's originally a Jewish holiday. Fifty days after Jesus rose from the dead and all the believers, that the previous chapter says there's about 120 of them, they're in one place in Jerusalem. These are the people who have followed Jesus in his life and who saw him raised from the dead, who saw him ascended into heaven. And as they're gathered, there's a sound like a mighty wind and a rush of flame appears and rests on each one. And the sound draws a crowd of people to the house where they are. These are Jewish pilgrims who are in Jerusalem for the, for the Pentecost festival. And these disciples of Jesus suddenly discover they have the spirit-led gift 
to speak in the languages of these other countries so that they can tell these visitors about the crucified and risen Jesus, Jesus who rose on Easter Sunday. Easter is the most important day in the history of the universe, but Pentecost was the most important day of the disciples' lives because it's the day that the truth of what God had done in their Lord and teacher Jesus became true in and for and through them. And to understand this, to understand what it means to receive the Holy Spirit, I want us to look at the passage from John's gospel that we heard read, okay? Because here we've got Jesus talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit on the night before he dies. He's not telling them so they can understand it in advance. He's telling them so they'll have something to remember later. It's kind of like having a talk with your kid before they go through puberty. It's, you know they're not going to get it, but you want to give them something to think back and so they can understand what's happening to them. Jesus knows they can't get what he's saying about the Spirit until they've received the Spirit. And it's this crazy experience, right? Hurricane sound, people looking like they're on fire, speaking languages they don't know. But when that happens to them, he's saying this now here in John, so they'll remember what he said, and they'll think, oh, this is that, this is that thing. So why don't you open up your Bible or pull up that passage. It's John 15, 26 through John 16, 15. Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit, why Pentecost is the most important day of your life. All right, so what's Jesus say about the Holy Spirit here, here in John? In a nutshell, the Holy Spirit, in John, Jesus uh, will call him the, the advocate or the helper, also the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is going to be sent by Jesus for two reasons, to continue Jesus' work in the world through his followers and to continue Jesus' presence with his followers. So let's start with verses 4 to 11. Jesus is saying, verse 4, I didn't say these things to you, that is about the Holy Spirit from the beginning, because I was with you. I'm going to whom, to him who sent me, and you're not asking where are you going, you're just sad. The sending of the Holy Spirit is related to Jesus' going away, but all the disciples are focusing on is the loss, because what they don't get is here in verse 7 and 8. This is so key, here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I, Jesus, go away, because if I don't go away from you, the advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send the advocate to you. And take a step back here and remember what Jesus is about. Jesus has to complete the work that the Father has given him, to come into the world, to reveal the truth of God's love for his people, to perfect that love by dying for the forgiveness of sin, to be raised again and to go back to the Father opening up the kingdom of heaven. And when he goes, he'll send the Holy Spirit. Jesus, having completed his work, sends the Holy Spirit. And what will the Holy Spirit do when Jesus sends him to his followers, the disciples? We see in verses 8 to 11. It's kind of confusing the way it's phrased here, but basically what it means, proving the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment, Basically what it means is the Holy Spirit in and through Jesus' disciples is going to keep doing all the things that Jesus did in the world, revealing the sin of rejecting God, demonstrating true righteousness, judging the ruler of the world, which is the devil, whose power is exercised in every act of wickedness and injustice. So Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit to continue his work in the world through his followers. That's the first point, but that's not all. The Holy Spirit will also continue Jesus' work of teaching and leading his disciples. 
Verses 12 to 13, I have many things to say, but you can't bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He's saying some stuff you can't understand now. You can only understand it once you've received the spirit. But when you do, he'll guide you into all truth. And, and here's the key, still in verse 13, the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit is not a solo operator, isn't a free agent, as it were. The Holy Spirit won't speak on his own, but he'll speak only what he hears. Well, hears from whom? Verse 14 and 15, the Holy Spirit will glorify me, Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Jesus has said, all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that's what the Spirit will receive from me and make known to you. This is it. This is it. God the Father gives to God the Son, who gives to God the Spirit, who gives to us a direct line from the Father from whom all things are made, to the Son who took on flesh to be with us, to the Spirit who's poured out on all flesh, who inhabits our flesh, the Spirit of of whom Jesus said will be in you. It's this process of increasing intimacy. The God who is for us in the crucified Son is actually God within us in the Holy Spirit. So it's not like Jesus says one truth and the Holy Spirit says something different. They don't have separate truths. Skip back to the start of the passage, John 15, 26. The Spirit bears witness about Jesus and you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. The stuff you saw is going to be consistent with what's to come. In other words, the apostles who are with Jesus from the beginning, their teaching about Jesus is Jesus' own teaching about himself because he's given them the Holy Spirit and he speaks through the Holy Spirit to them. That's the litmus test whether something comes from the Holy Spirit because let's admit it, people do some crazy stuff and claim to be led by the Spirit. The test is always, does it glorify Jesus? Does it align with the authoritative, Spirit-led teaching about Jesus that the apostles recorded in the New Testament? What's so important here is the continuity of work. The Spirit continues to do in, through, and for Jesus' followers what Jesus did on earth. But where Jesus was one man, in one time, in one place, the Spirit spreads throughout history, throughout the whole world. The Spirit continues Jesus' earthly ministry by other means, the means of Jesus' disciples with the goal that justice and goodness will spread and creation would return to God the Father, glorifying and praising him through God the Son, through the power of God the Holy Spirit. And that's why we receive the Holy Spirit, to continue Jesus' universal mission. So get this, get this. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is the way that what was true about the world, God's saving work in Jesus, becomes true for his disciples, right? But the Spirit making that true for his disciples then becomes the way that that becomes true for the whole world. We see it right there in Acts 2, verses 17 to 21. These are the prophesied last days when God's Spirit is poured out on all flesh, the authority of God resting on and speaking through men and women alike so that everyone may be saved by calling on the name of the Lord. What happens when the Jews visiting Jerusalem for Pentecost hear about this in their own language? Verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said, what should we do? Peter responds, he says, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Verse 39, listen to this, listen to this. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For you, for those who will come after you, for those who are far away from you, for you, whoever and whenever and wherever you are. The promise of salvation in Jesus Christ in the living experience of the Holy Spirit is for you. So what should you do? You should reach out your hands and lay hold of the treasure that is falling from heaven. Receive the spirit that Jesus sends to those who love him. Now, if you're not baptized, then Acts 2.38 is for you. Repent and be baptized, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in people who aren't baptized. It does, it just blows like the wind that comes and goes. But John's Gospel says the Holy Spirit will uh, abide in those who love Jesus and obey his commandments. And he said, get baptized, so send me an email and we will walk with you toward the waters of baptism. But if you are baptized, you, you have received the Holy Spirit. It dwells in you, but maybe, maybe you don't hear it. And if you're not hearing it it, it, it might be that your life is too loud. Because the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks more softly than the ambient decibel level of our usual days. The shouting and clamor of ambition, vanity, greed, fear, worry, busyness. All these things drown it out. And to hear it, you've got to hush. You've got to take the time and the space to let the unimportant, transient stuff go and just listen. Take the time and ask, ask the Spirit to speak the words of Jesus to you, and the Spirit will. But Scripture also says we can grieve or quench the Spirit. That's, that's a step worse than simply not spank, paying attention. And we do that by living with unrepented sin in our lives. Scripture names worldliness, lying, bitterness, anger, theft, unforgiveness, sexual immorality. I'm not talking about stumbles. I'm talking about walking in one of those ruts. The good news is that no matter how far we go from God, his mercy always runs farther and faster. It's always possible to repent. So turn from that sin. Turn from that sin. Ask God's help to leave it behind forever. Ask the Holy Spirit to come like fire and burn away that rotten wood in your life. Wherever you are, Pentecost is the most important day of your life. So ask God to make Jesus true for you by the Holy Spirit. Not just a truth out there because there are plenty of Christians who know the Bible, they know the church, maybe they even give money to church. But the tragedy is that they never stretch out their hands to lay hold of the treasure falling from heaven. Never claim it for themselves. And so I suggest to you that you make this a season of asking for the Holy Spirit. You can't force it, obviously, but you can ask what God has promised to give and God is faithful. Let me suggest, just suggest you make it concrete. Get, get a candle and put it somewhere in your house where you'll see it the first thing when you wake up. And when you see it, take that moment to dedicate your day to God and ask the Holy Spirit live in you and guide you. Remember the Holy Spirit descended like fire on those first believers and ask that the same thing would happen to you. Light the candle and pray this. Pray, Father, send the Holy Spirit to me 
that I may burn to the glory of the Son. And that is my prayer for you. May you burn to the glory of the one for whom you are lit. Amen.